0: Well, Patty, I love that we had the first interview that we ever had on a podcast. Brian Kampstra returns. Returns, right? With Frankfurt return. And uh, today talking about building a high-performance sales team, I really don't know anyone else in the industry that has a better track record of building a high-performance 1099 sales team than Brian Kampstra, um, yeah. now with uh, Payrock after recent acquisition. Um, and so we just talk about the nuts and bolts of that. Hey, if you're looking to build a team, this is the the episode for you
1: and 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 you know i think brian has some really you know spot on um advice for everybody it's like you know look at somebody like brian who's done it yeah absolutely and and follow that formula because it's a great formula and then james i loved your questions from the field would you want to give everybody a little
0: Yeah, sure. Just uh, talking about crypto, uh, answering a question about should we as an industry be afraid of cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. acceptance and these trends that are growing? um, Is that going to wipe us out? And so I just kind of talk about how to embrace this change and use it as leverage to grow rather than as something to be afraid of uh, and and go back on. And then, Patty, uh, of course, your one of your favorite topics, your go to is fraud. So talk about that.
1: fraud. You know, one of the things I used to joke about, uh, you know, being a payments reporter, you know, payments expert. Payments fraud is as close as I get to the crime beat, but yes. you know, yeah. uh, this is something I think um, everybody needs to be aware of too, you know, as as we're seeing more and more commerce move online, we're seeing more and more fraudsters move online and they're getting very sophisticated. Yep. Um, so our episode today is brought to you by Valor Paytech, uh, valorpaytech.com.
0: Right, valorpaytech.com. You can even go to ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R. Right. Uh, processor agnostic terminals and gateways that support cash discounting. So good stuff. Definitely go check it out. And uh, I don't know about you, Patty, but I'm ready to dive into the interview today.
2: Let's do it. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast.
0: Hey, everybody. I'm here today with my good friend, Brian Kampstra, who is the Chief Sales Officer at Payrock. How are you doing today, Brian?
2: I'm doing great.
3: Doing awesome.
0: great. Awesome. Awesome. So I have to start out by saying that Brian was literally the very first person that we ever interviewed on the Merchant right. Sales Podcast. So this is like over two years ago. Now everybody emails and says, oh, I want to be on the podcast. Back then, no one was emailing. <laughs> right. uh, but Brian- we were begging. <laughs> yes, I was That's begging right. people on. And Brian was such a good friend that he jumped on and, and, uh, and did that. So first of all, I really appreciate that, Brian. And since it's been a while- give our audience a little bit of your story. How did you end up in the payments industry? And then tell us about your your path here to, to PayRock that happened recently.
3: I, I will. And and hello, Patty. Good to see you again. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah. And uh, Patty, would you agree that James Shepard is like the mo- every mother-in-law's dream. I, mean,
1: uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs>
3: I'll have to tell that to my mother-in-law. I wish he were
1: my son-in-law. I would be so happy.
3: <laughs> I mean, look at him. He looks so Midwest. And so I look at. he right? has that
0: smile. The
3: eyes are always
0: beaming. Well, I'm definitely going to be playing this clip for my mother-in-law. So.
3: <laughs> well, yes, Christina's mother would agree. agree. Yes, I'm, I'm sure she so. would. I'm sure she would. <laughs> Um, you know, James, uh, I don't make any uh, bones about you know life uh, from my view and my lens. I, I, I'm a person who believes that nothing happens by accident. Uh, I'm a firm believer in destiny. Yep. And you and I've talked a lot about that. Yes. Uh, but but that that's my path here to to um, the payments industry. I, I picked up a hitchhiker back in 1975. It, go, it goes way back Wait, uh, when you could pick up hitchhikers and not worry. Back then, we picked them up. Exactly, and hitchhike. I don't right. think it happens anymore, right? No, I but, doubt it. Uh, I I picked up a hitchhiker. I was a senior in high school. I'll, I'll, I'll spare you all the other details, but it you know it just so happened that he was looking for a keyboard player in. Uh, uh, a jazz rock band that he was starting and uh, we had just struck up a conversation while we were in the car and so he dropped me off I mean, i'm i sorry i dropped him off where he had to be and he said hey listen uh i'd like to get together with you after you graduate from high school we're starting a band and i said sure let's do it well it just so happened that uh a young man by the name of jim oberman uh, was a <laughs> bass player in that band. <laughs> Patty, I'm, I'm sure you know that name, right? I do. I do. Okay. And so, uh, what are the odds that I would have been on that street uh, on that April day in 1975? And yeah. uh, it just so happened that I picked up that hitchhiker and Jim Oberman was, um, was in that band. Anyway, uh, nothing happens by accident jim and I have been best of friends for 45 years we've we've raised our children together we have uh, buried our fathers and mothers together not, not an easy task but we've done it together right. uh, we've we've played music together for over 25 years we uh we were neighbors uh, we are on uh in on several boards together and James that's how I got in to the payment industry uh, Jim yeah. Oberman invited me into the industry in um, February of 1993. So there is a good answer to your question, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's an yeah. excellent yeah. answer. Yeah. And
0: so for those who don't know, uh, Jim Oberman is the CEO of Payrock uh, after a long, uh, long career in the industry and uh, really an industry legend uh, and now Indeed. the CEO of Payrock. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. Tell, tell us more about that story of how you, because I know you've been friends forever, but now yeah. you're business partners. I mean, tell us about that.
3: You know, uh, and James, you and I have gotten to know each other well, and I've, I've told you bits and pieces of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jim uh, worked with uh, NPC. Oh, well, actually, he's the father of the leasing business. Uh, right. Some of our viewers, James, uh, Uh, Have Jim Oberman to thank for funding their leases for uh, for all, (laughs) Uh, but anyway. uh, So so he uh, he went to work uh, with after he sold the leasing company. Went to work with uh, uh, with and with 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 NPC Vantage, right? You know, pay that whole group. Uh, Did a lot of risk stuff there, and then of course made his way to Retriever Payment Systems, the original one. I'm talking the original one back from 1986. Mm-hmm. 87. And, and so I always say that, that, you know, in 1999, although I got in the industry in 93 because of Jim in 1999, I did start with retriever payment systems. Jim was there and uh, we started working together. Then our paths just kind of went different ways. I'm sorry, Jim went with retriever first, then he went to Vantiv. Uh, right. And uh, And so then I was a customer of Jim's. He was an executive there. And then Jim started uh, Payrock. Pay Rock. He went to work with Payrock, um, uh working with his boys with Nick right. Overman and Adam and Ryan Hal. It's a great story. Uh, they had actually started the company, but then Jim fulfilled one of his dreams to work with his sons. How about yeah. that? Yeah. And so then we just started a kind of a friendly uh not rivalry, just friendly competition. They went one way with payrock. I was going another way with retriever merchant solutions and James, um, in, in uh, March of nineteen uh, March of uh, two thousand twenty one, dream came true. Uh, Payrock, of which Jim is CEO, bought my company, Retriever Merchant Solutions, and we are living the dream together.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. The
3: band, it. the band is back together. I'll put it that's that way. right. Yeah. <laughs> the band so, is back in town. That's I
0: right. So so Brian, our topic today is how to build top performing merchant sales teams and. Uh, I definitely have to say I've been to a lot of uh, events in the industry, and you know, consulted and trained. And I mean, your team that you have built through Retriever now with Payrock is really extraordinary in terms of just the level of, you know, top the number of top performers you have, the the production levels, and all of that. So, you know, that's that's established for those who don't know. And that's why I asked you to to join today yep. for this topic. So, I really want you to go way back though. So, okay. You 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 start on the payments industry. At some point you decide, okay, I'm going to start this 1099 sales team. Tell us about that. How did you get started? What are some tips that you would have for people that are like, okay, I want to start a team. Like what did you do to kind of found this thing and, and get it moving forward?
3: Yeah. I, I started as a, a running an office for a gym in, uh, in uh, 94, 1994. I was an independent office, but, in 1999, James, and you would know this. Uh, I, had a, I had a nervous breakdown. Uh, you know, fetal position and the whole deal. I, I don't mind saying, but uh, so I, I kind of that—that's a key and that's an answer to your question because I I kind of got out of everything. I, there wasn't much I could do. Those of, out here listening to me uh, understand depression and anxiety. I, I understand that world, and so you just—I couldn't do a whole lot. But but in in uh, the spring of 1999. Uh, I, I, I felt like I was to reengage, And so I did start Retriever uh, Merchant Solutions in September of 1999. And now to answer your question, I decided, look, um, I'd rather have a little out of a lot than a lot out of a little. Back then, processors were taking a lot from sales reps. Patty, you would know a lot of that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and I just decided, well, you know what? I'm a sales guy. And frankly, I didn't need to have a sales office. I I could do 20 to 25 apps uh, a month. And uh, so I, I went out there. I started doing applications. I decided that if there were some sales reps that wanted to come along with me, I would pay them most of what I had. Again, a little of a lot. And, uh, you know, that paid off because when we sold Retriever Merchant Solutions. Uh, we had a little out of about thirty thousand merchants, so not a bad deal there. But yeah. uh, we set it up so that salespeople could just sell, and that's that was that's the long and short of it, James. Back in the early days, that's how we started.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like it. Well, what about
1: growing? Okay, so you dive into let, let, I just want to dive into the mechanics of growing the team. Okay, so obviously we we all know how competitive this industry is. I mean, and you know, not just in terms of merchants, but in terms of 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 uh, getting agents. Um, yeah. You know, what do you think agents are looking for today? You know, what are what are some of the options they should or they are or should be considering when when signing up with a with another uh, with you know an upstream partner
3: yeah I mean I, I, I great question I mean I'm not an expert uh, w- an expert witness for that question but I certainly have 21 years of experience right so I have my perspective Patty mm-hmm. and 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 what do I think agents are looking for in my experience they want a home they want a home they want a family I, I know that that sounds kind of corny but that's what I wanted. I, I could uh-huh. say this. I think I can say this on this podcast, James. Just edit it yeah. out if, it, if it's not. <laughs> if it's I shouldn't say uh, The road uh, or the expressway in this uh, of life in the bank art business is strewn with bodies yeah. that have been screwed uh, by processors. Yes. Now yep. there's a lot of good processors. Don't get me wrong but there's a lot of companies that have not done well by, uh, by sales reps. And, uh, so I wanted to create just a, a home, a family. Uh, I, I wanted to pl- uh, create a place where, where there's trust and there really is. I mean, I love it how people, you know, throw, you can throw integrity around, but, uh, you better live it if you're going to throw it around. Right. And, um, and so that, that's how, that's, that's, that's what I think reps are looking for, Patty. And, and that, that's what we've done. I'll, I'll just say one last thing about it. I mean, again, it sounds corny, but in 20 years, and I, we could talk maybe a little bit more about this as you ask more questions, but in 20 years, uh, I can count on maybe a one and a half hands of sales reps that have left us. Uh, I have incredible, and, then, and by the way, when we sold, we had about 150 to 175 uh, active agents, so it worked. I mean, there was a few. Don't get me wrong. There's a few. But, uh, and we have a lot of tenured employees and we always like to say, once again, I'm up up front, I'm saying, sounds a little corny, but we always like to say that we are a place, Retriever Merchant Solutions was, and now Payrock is, a place where, and and I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it like it is. We're a place that we pray together. We're a place that we uh, cry together. We're a place that we uh, bury people together. and We've had to go through things uh, like any family does. We're a place that gambles a little bit together, and 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 we're a place that we we make a hell of a lot of money together, and and that's Patty. I hope that's a, a an okay answer to your question, because that's how that's my perspective on what reps are looking for, and that's what we have uh, made available. Well, that's that's actually
1: that's a great answer, and it almost kind of I had a sort of a follow up question I was going to ask that you kind of almost answered, but I'm going to just sort of twist it around a little bit, and All that right, is, good. you know. A lot of you know isos are out there and they're signing up agents and you know they end up spinning their wheels the agents really aren't doing anything right um so how you know what's the process to get these guys out and and boarding merchant accounts and i th- would suspect that it's different for say the green agents versus the experienced agents what do you need to get those guys out there and on the street what do you need
3: to do? Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I mean, we love we love experienced agents. Uh, and we, we do a lot with that. We have a lot of experienced agents that have experienced exactly what I talked about. That it just, you know, just have it has gone well. So we do have a lot that have come our way that, that want a home. They, they want a place that they can trust that the residuals are going to be paid for. But I, I like the green, what you're calling the green agents. Um, so let me start by saying uh, uh, we're not a fit for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I start with that. Either I'm interviewing or one of our recruiters, uh, eventually it'll, it'll get to me to sign off on it. But So I will say to people, look, here's the good news. Uh, if, we don't, if you don't come to work for us, we're not going to go broke. But guess what? You have a lot of options. So this is a good conversation to have. Let's see if it's a fit. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that I try to do. Right. And uh, and if there's a fit, we kind of know what what works and what doesn't. You know, yeah. How do we get them going? Well, you've got to orientate. We have an incredible sales uh, training program. Uh, uh, James, you mentioned Rich Rich Norton. Yeah, and I think he's been on your show, right? Yes, uh, on the
0: podcast. several times. Yep, yep.
3: He's he, he's like the eighth wonder in the world. I mean, he's amazing, yes. but he's got an incredible uh, training process that he has his newer reps go through so you know we do that and then and then patty uh well, our secret sauce is we train them and then we have what well, it was called an rm model it's a relationship manager model mm-hmm. we have relationship managers that are basically personal assistants to our reps i want our reps to do nothing but sell i don't want them to worry about anything else mm-hmm. and so we have personal assistants that that take the uh <clears throat> the applications from cradle to grave, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. start to finish. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and they make sure that those those uh merchants are boarded properly. We have an incredible boarding tool. We have a sales portal that the the merchant the, the reps can go through. We have a great residual system, uh, and we have incredible group leaders, and this is the key. We don't just take them in and throw them out to the wolves. Mm-hmm. We take them in, we usually place them with a group leader, who is a 1099 group leader, by the way, somebody who's got skin in the game. And they get a lot of training. We put them in a car within a week usually. And that's the key. You can't, Patty and James, you guys know this. I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to train green uh, new sales agents over the phone or zoom or, this or online of, or online. It doesn't work. It's a part of the process, right? right. But you got to get them in the car and, and show them uh, how it's done and then hold their hands through the ups and the downs and, and, and the highs and the lows.
0: Yeah. I, I love it. I love yeah, it. So uh, one of the things I want to follow up on here, Brian, so, you know, you gave a lot of context there for kind of that new, the green agent. And we, and we've talked about this many times in the podcast that, you know, this idea that, you know, Hey, let's recruit 50 green agents. Let's give them a webinar and see what happens. You know, well, I can tell you what's going to happen. Not much (laughs) versus, you know, screening heavily, getting them out in the field. So I get all of that. So let's, let's talk about the experienced rep. So there's a lot of reps listening right now who are, you know, four to six a month, you know, in, in that range. Right. And, you know, for a lot of reasons that we both understand, but you know, they're at four to six. Um, two questions, I guess. Number one, what would you tell that rep, you know, how do you help reps like that get to the 10 or 15 to 20, you know, right. that, that range. And what would you tell the, the sales leaders, you know, what should they be doing, which kind of goes along with this to get these reps up. So give us your thoughts on that.
3: Well, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm smiling. When you started saying, what would I tell somebody who's doing four to six a month? First of all, I would say, thank you for being here. Uh, because James uh and pat I, I, again I gotta go to patty on this one patty uh you, we used to live in the day when we had a sales rep that was doing you know 15 to 20 deals a month that was that was common then we went mm-hmm. to a, to a time a period when if you had a sales rep doing 10 deals a month you had a you good sales. Happy. yep, yep. Oh, no you know what uh if somebody's doing three four five deals a month I'm saying thank you thank <laughs> you for being here uh we're glad that you're here. Uh, but, but, but I do tell them, look, you got to get, let's try to get you up to 10. So I'm smiling because the first thing I would say is Goya, get off your, and I won't say the A word. (laughs) 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 And, and, And because here's the deal, I would say to these folks, look, um, there has never been, and I say this to both, to experienced and to, um, green agents, new agents, we'll call them. There has never been a better time. To sell banker than right now, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. both of you were around in the EMV uh, mm-hmm. time. That was great, but uh, this is this this whole uh, cash discount. Uh, we 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 won't say whether it's uh, compliant or non-compliant. We're not going down that road, of course. But this whole cash discount uh, um, uh, per charge era is yes. phenomenal. So what I'm saying to these folks, first of all, yes, yeah, Goya, I'm saying now is not the time. To take long vacations Now's not the time to take naps.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: There's you you have a two to three year window here where you need to work as hard as you can and you because one cash discount deal is like four the old fashioned way as far right. as profitability goes. Right. And and then the other thing that I do, you guys, is it's not just goya. I mean that's that's kind of cold and and you know sterile if you will. True. But no, we. we <laughs> We have a lot of uh, sales incentives at at Payrock. Uh, For a lot of the uh, experienced reps uh, listening to us today, boy, I'd like to hear from you because we have incredible bonus programs. Uh, We have uh, incredible rewards trips. Uh, We have a call center that sets leads. We have a lot of tools that will assist. It's not just Goya. We have a lot of tools that will assist them in their endeavor uh, to 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 going from four or five to ten.
0: Love it, love it. Hey, one one thing I just got to kind of insert here and follow up on. So I, I did a segment um, several weeks back on the podcast, Brian, and I was talking about my concern that in the industry as a whole, a lot of these agents and ISOs are aligning themselves with kind of upstream partners. Like I won't name names, but it's the biggest shops out there that right. Are publicly against cash discounting. They're publicly opposed. They kind of want to turn a blind eye. Um, just can you take 30 seconds and because I, I, for our audience it doesn't realize. I mean Payrock is one of the largest. What do you call? it? Is it an acquirer? I don't even know what the right name is. is a full service a, provider, a, a the whole, process, whole
3: deal. Yeah, a processor, and we, we are we are we are getting on the. We're we're, we're being we are noticed right now. Yes. Yeah. We are, yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah. this is a full service. You know, this is yeah. moving it's the money. Full
3: service, the whole full service deal. Processor. Yes. and and
0: you know, can you take thirty seconds? I know you have kind of the consumer choice in that. Can you take thirty seconds and just what's the stance of Payrock uh, as the large kind of upstream partner? What is your stance on cash discounting and and these things?
3: Well, uh, our our stance is that you know you have to you have you have to follow the laws you know as we interpret them.
0: Sure.
3: And uh, uh, I, I I feel as though our cash discount product, we have a surcharge, we have a pure surcharge uh, product, right? And we have a cash discount product. And uh, the way we have put it out there, I believe is incredibly safe uh, in regards to what a lot of the bigger processors are thinking and Visa and MasterCard, our friends over there. And I think uh, we have put some bells and whistles in that, that that it's a long-term play. I'm not in it for the short term, you know? Right. But we have, a, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not a, a, lawyer, obviously, and I certainly shouldn't, don't want to comment a whole lot on some of that stuff. But I, understand. I will say this, and you know, you know, James, you and I know each other well. Our consumer choice cash discount product, I think, checks all the boxes. Let, let me put it to you that way: of anybody looking for cash discount, and we'll leave out whether it's compliant or non-compliant, it checks all the boxes.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great answer. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me, and, and we're actually going to do some follow-up podcasts uh, with James Derby from Payrock as well, talking about yeah. actual Payrock compliance and the dual right. pricing. But I will say, of the cash discount programs out there, pretty cool actually. The consumer choice with the dual pricing model. So if you yes. haven't, if you haven't checked it out, I would really encourage you to, to do that. So we'll they, we'll they, move they, on. They, but yeah, I just wanted yeah. to throw that out there because I, I do think it's pretty. I was really, I was impressed actually when I went uh, out to your annual event, yep. uh, you know, and saw that. So that was pretty cool. Okay, so. Last question here, last major question, um, top agents. So 10, 15, 20 a month, right? Now these agents are, you know, uh, known to be a little bit of a pain in the neck sometimes. Well, high maintenance, I know, cause I was one, I know you were one. <laughs> so we're, we're kind of a high maintenance breed. Um, how do you keep them engaged? Like, how do you keep them doing these high numbers? You know, what's, what's, the, what's the secret to kind of keeping these top agents happy and motivated and, and feeling like they're part of something?
3: well yeah uh, i mean i uh, again i have a perspective but hey i gotta go back again patty james just slipped it in he was and we he was a guest of ours at our at our annual sales convention uh-huh patty he's like he's like royalty over there
1: i know i know <laughs>
3: <laughs> he, they, he it's like he walks on water anyway sorry i Jeff. have
1: people come up to me and like you know, James, can I, can I
3: shake your hand? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I tell people I'm very famous to a very small number of people.
3: <laughs> oh, no. But anyway, you're uh, being modest, but thank you, James. My people, they, they love you, and I need you to know that. You know that.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Uh, okay, You so you, you mentioned high, high maintenance sales reps. Now, I'm looking at myself and i don't know if you can see this but if i just kind of lean over a little bit and show you this right here uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you follow me
0: the bold spot yes i see that
3: <laughs> follow me. Oh. that's from yeah, the top ages sales reps are fun. they're fun people they are certainly high maintenance but it's the it's the life we live it's the life we yeah. chose and i love it i i would go to war with these guys uh and i i can deal with the fact uh, that they're high maintenance because you know why they are they're heroes I like to say to sales agents that are that are that I I'm, I'm talking to. I'll, I'll turn to them. I'll say, you you realize who you guys are. You you know what, Patty? You you agree, James? These folks get up every morning, and and they get out to the field of battle, and they get told no, and they get kicked out of places, and they they get all the stuff, and they got all the family issues that we all have, but they keep, keep on going doing it, and yes. they they get up. Uh, I love I love up if you don't mind, James. The Bible is phenomenal. Uh, whether it's the book that you live by or the book that you just are seeking advice by. the Bible says the righteous man, we're talking a righteous man. that means a good guy falls seventy times. What James? can you answer the and rises but, up again? Thank you. very good. He, <laughs> he, he falls I'm, I'm preaching right now. He falls seventy times, but he gets up. okay, that's the Bible. All right, that's that's for another time and another place, but we're looking at (laughs) sales reps that fall, that get the crap kicked out of them, but they get up. So, so you know, that's one thing I, you know, giving them a reason to work and a and 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 uh, you know, just just sharing with them how much I appreciate them. That's one thing. That's that's one way
2: to. I want to
3: think get a lot out of them. I think they just need to know that you understand. The other thing that I and this is perspective. Once again, you can't. You can't force people to go out to work. Uh, you can't force people to, uh, to 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 want to uh, excel and, and and you know you hit your goals and then you go home or do you keep on going? You can't force them to keep on going. Right. But I'll just leave. I'll, I'll answer the question this way. I uh, my perspective and this is what I preach this is what I share is look you're not in this for just yourself. You are in this for your children. And your grandchildren, mm-hmm. yeah. and we are in a business that's building wealth like not many other businesses. And so I say to them, look, if, if if getting out of bed every day and and not taking long vacations and working as hard as you can, if you can't do it for a ch- for your children and your children's children or your wife or your significant other or your church or your your other organizations, whatever it is, if you can't do it for that, I don't know how, how else I can incent you to do it. Yeah. Right. So I, I talk a lot about legacy. That's the reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause you, you have to have that. And like, we talked about Rich Norton, one of my favorite words that he uses is residual You know, okay, where where the agents, you know, they the top agent they get to, well, you know, everybody has a different number. I'm always amazed. I'll talk to some agents, they're making 8,000 a month in residual, and that's it. Like they, they've, they never want to work again, you know, and then other agents, it's like, you know, they have to hit 50,000 a month. And so everybody has kind of their number. You know, I'm just curious, you know, Brian, any kind of final tips about, you know, to the sales leader that's, the, you know, I talk to them all the time in our industry, you know, they've got, you know, their, their seven best producers from the last 10 years, none of them are selling anymore. They're all residualitis. And, and then I talked to a lot of these agents and quite frankly, they're miserable. They're not doing yeah. anything. And you know, what, any final tips for the, for the sales leader? You know, how do you, how do you motivate these, these people to like Hey, let's wake up! Like, let's go. You know what do you Get do? Get back
1: out on the field. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, again, my smart aleck remark uh, is, well, keep them broke. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <But laughs> encourage them <this him> to <laughs> encourage them to go buy that that third house, right? Buy so.
3: that new house. Buy, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I mean yeah, I mean that's one thing. I mean, uh, we we because of this business, we're blessed that we can buy things and do things. And, and let's face it, that's the best motivator is when you need more money. Nice. I will say this too, by the way, uh, once again, uh, uh, we're talking 150 out of 100, 100 no, that's incorrect, Out of, in, in uh, Orlando, James, of which you were a guest this last time, there were 100 of our top sales agents, 70 of those in the room, 70% are making over $200,000 a year in that room. So that's pretty that's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I say this uh, uh, to, to keep them from residual itis. I say, look, I go back to the window of time. Right. I go back to you will never have a time like this for quite some time. Now this industry continues to reinvent itself and it will. Yeah. But this is, this is a time I've not seen. So y- there's a time to take your vacations. There's a time to have residual itis. Now is not the time I talk about that. And, and, and you know, the hosties, the day deal. And, and then I guess the, the, the last thing I'll say to you is I, I say to them, look, I am all in with you. You heard me talk a little bit about that yeah. all in. Yes. Look at you need to be all in, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the time to go to the couch or to it's, right. we need to be all in build legacy, stay on that field there'll be a time and a place down the road where where you can kind of enjoy uh, your residuals and uh, maybe take some, some time off.
0: Yeah. Love it. Brian, you're somebody that uh, I have tremendous respect for. I love what you built at retriever. I love the, combination with payrock i love what you're doing with cash discounting with consumer choice reward pay all of that so um i know our audience is going to want to reach out learn more uh, they may not have you know i talked to a lot of people that still are kind of like payrock what's you know because it's real it, that brand i mean is relatively new um it's been you know the companies that make it up have been around for a long time but of course that that brand's a little bit newer so um where should they go to reach out to you if they want to learn more about uh payrock and, and the sales team that you're building there
3: yeah, and by the way, I, I'm going to say that this is, you know, anybody could be on your podcast, James, and say the same thing that I'm saying, but I say it with 20 years of conviction and with with uh, 45 years of uh, relational experience and uh, time spent with Jim Oberman and all the folks that I know at Payrock. I, I believe that Payrock is the greatest uh, sales organization there is, and I think we're kind of the last safe place for uh, the independent, the smaller independent sales rep. Uh, smaller smaller groups and, and that's number one number two and thank you for what you those kind words James right back at you Patty man you I, I'm so glad to be looking at you here so thank you for your service uh, to this thank industry for what you say you know 30 years or so or uh, actually
1: 40 but 40. we're not counting. I'm a little bit yeah. older than you
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you patty. thank you for me and my pleasure. Thank you. Of for, for what you've done, and and, and so James, yeah, uh, lo- I would love to hear for uh, for some folks that are interested to see if they're a, a fit with Payrock, and so you're looking for my email. I'm a. I'm, I'd like yeah, to give sure. you my personal email, yeah, if you don't mind. So if they, is that, that's okay. Yeah, that's
0: fine. It? Sure. Go
3: for it. it's okay. Fine. All right. So it's Brian B R I A N, camstra uh, I'm sorry, Brian Dot, Kamstra, and that's K A M. S T R A at Payrock. Payrock is P A Y R O C, not with a K, payrock.com. Brian.camstra at payrock.com.
0: Awesome. And That's we'll make great. sure and put Thank that in the you. show notes as well. Okay. Uh so, okay. so people can get that. So Brian, I know you're so busy. Uh, you guys are just building the girl in this payrock thing. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And and again, I appreciate you coming back after being our first. Ever guest on the Merchant Sales Podcast. It's about time we had you back on. So thanks for joining us. And we've come
1: so far in all this time. And as have you, my friend.
3: Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. It has been a pleasure to spend some time with you guys.
0: Great. Have a great one. You too. So, Patty, this episode, of course, brought to you by Valor Valor Paytech. Paytech. Um, Today, we're talking about feature rich with flexibility. And uh, I love this because... When when you're talking about a virtual terminal, a gateway, uh, you know, different types of uh, hardware, you know, different Mm -hmm. terminal options, smart terminals, you know, standalone terminals, um, you know, it can seem overwhelming. And I think one of the key things is that Valor ties this all together with features that can do pretty much. And again, you know, for for our audience, Patty, it's like, what features does it offer? Well, it offers the features you would expect it to offer. It just does it in a seamless way with flexibility so that you can structure it however you want.
1: Well, that's and that's what I like, the flexibility to be able to structure it like you look, however, however works for you. Right. Right. I mean, there's no cookie cutter approach to merchant services. And I think Valor Paytech is one of the few companies that acknowledges that and creates this uh, opportunity for, you know, developing your own set of your own feature set to sell to your merchants. Love it. So if you haven't uh, been to our website lately, go to ccsalespro.com slash Valor. That's ccsalespro.com slash V-A-L-O-R. Uh, take, a, take, take a link over to their site, check out their, um, their demonstrations if you haven't already, and um, let them know you heard, heard about them here.
2: This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard.
0: So, Patty, there was a a great question from a member of the CC Sales Pro community on Facebook. It's a private Facebook group, and... um, uh, was asking about you know um, crypto and the idea. The question was really should we, should I be afraid of crypto acceptance? Is this going to wipe out ISOs and merchant level salespeople yeah. and all that?
1: I can I can see somebody wondering about that. Yeah, wondering. yeah.
0: I thought it was a really good question. There's a lot of interesting responses to it, and so I ended up shooting a video that's a little bit longer than the segment and, and posted it there. But I wanted to share with our podcast audience my thoughts and you know it's interesting for me being somebody who you know two years ago I knew virtually nothing about cryptocurrency. Right. Um, about a year ago, I started researching it about six months ago. I almost did a strategic partnership with a really large, uh, mm-hmm. crypto acceptance company. Right. So I really, really took a deep dive. Then I ended up even, uh, you know, from a programming computer code perspective, I created a kind of a dummy cryptocurrency to understand mm-hmm. how it works. And so anyway, right. I've, I've, I've gotten in pretty deep now. You've gotten and pretty
1: imbued. Yes.
0: I have. Um, so, you know, here's my thought. Um, am I afraid of crypto for merchant level salespeople and and uh, and ISOs? No, not specifically. Um, what scares me is the rate at which individual agents and small ISOs are accepting change. Mm-hmm. Um, crypto being part of that. Now, mm-hmm. what's interesting about crypto to me is that crypto is another form of payment. That is going to be integrated into these ISV, you know, software. So whether that's, um, you know, point of sale systems, you look at um, Square and the things they're doing with crypto, um, I guarantee you it will not be that long uh, before Toast says that, hey, you can accept crypto through Toast. So what you're going to see is. Now that and we've interviewed, uh, we interviewed Verifone and we interviewed crypto Bucks just in the last right. couple of months. In the
1: last couple of months, sure.
0: You know, both of them with very similar models as far as crypto acceptance where, you know, they assume the risk of this. And so right. they're charging a very small percentage fee. You can receive a crypto payment and you're guaranteed to get the dollar amount of that, you know, into right. your bank account as a merchant. Well, what's going to happen further with this is now as these companies and many others are developing APIs for crypto acceptance and all of that. Well, now these you know, ISVs like Toast and Square and Stripe and others, they are going to start integrating crypto acceptance into their platform. And so it's going to become, you know, one other reason for merchants to choose an option that has crypto acceptance. Um, Now, what I would personally love to see, and I, I am almost sure I won't see it, but I would love to see it is I would love to see the ISOs and agents actually get out ahead of this and, For us to kind of lead the way, because what I think a lot of people misunderstand with this crypto um, community is that the thing that they actually want, in other words, the crypto community as a whole, I'm talking about investors, I'm talking about cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, themselves, you know, the the teams that run those. And, you know, what they want more than anything else is broad acceptance of cryptocurrency at small merchant locations across the country. Right. Well, who can provide that to them better than the people that are listening to this podcast? Right. And they're you know, and so but the problem is, if we're too short sighted, um, we're going to say, well, we should just hold off on that. Not not really think about that and not worry about that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's an okay strategy for the next 12 months. I really do. I don't think we're going to see it being a huge issue, but I think 24 months from now, I think merchants are going to look at it similar to the way that they look at Apple Pay right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it's going to be kind of like, well, yeah, that's a, you know that's not like 40% of the transactions, but it's a big enough chunk that you do need to be able to accept Apple Pay. I mean, if you're a merchant today, you know there's a pressure to where if you didn't accept Apple Pay or Google Wallet, contactless payments in general, that would be a problem. And you'd kind of be like very aware that you're behind the times with payment right. processing and you need to accept it, right? Right, right? Well, crypto is going to be at that same place, same I think place. in two to three years. I agree. You know? So I think yeah. you've got a couple of years to figure this out. But what I would start doing as an industry is let's start putting some pressure on the processor agnostic point of sale solutions that we all love and use. And even the ones that are processor specific, you know, whatever technology Mm -hmm. you're selling, you know, let's think about and start talking to them and putting pressure on them of, Hey, which crypto acceptance platform are you going to integrate with? Yeah. We need to know that because, because we're not going to keep placing your equipment if we don't know that you're again on that path, because 12 months from now, they should be offering crypto acceptance, right? right. And if you're um, not,
1: uh, I mean, if, and if you don't, if you don't, if you're not set up for it, it's gonna, it's gonna be longer and more expensive.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so I think, I think it's really important to be thinking about it in that way. And so to me, I actually look at it as an opportunity. I don't look at it as a, as a potential threat or something to be afraid of any more than we should be afraid of point of sale systems, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. are they a competitive threat? Well, yeah, because our industry, meaning merchant-level salespeople and ISOs, have basically decided that we're terrible at selling them, mm-hmm. and so you know, to to that extent, yes, point-of-sale systems are a threat to our survival because it's a it's the nature of the beast. Now, it's not because there aren't great point-of-sale systems that we can sell; it's that we've decided not to embrace change and not to sell it. Right. So. Crypto is the same way. I think it's an opportunity to embrace something new, to reinvent. Um, and, and one last thing I'll say about crypto, and I've mentioned it before in other segments, but um, the PR potential right now of crypto acceptance yes. is so big. You know, mm-hmm. you could get your merchants into the local newspaper with an article yes. because yes. they accept crypto- cryptocurrency. You yourself, you're, you're like, oh, I'm an individual agent. You know, I'm out knocking on doors. Well, would you like to have a, a really nice article on the front page of your local newspaper? Yeah,
1: I could see. I mean, you know, you know, I live here in Frederick. I bet you. I mean, that that especially because the local newspapers are dying for local
0: news to report. Yeah, they are. And if you if you send a press release out and, and you say, oh, I don't know how to write a press release, it's, it's easy. You know, go on you know go Google. if you it. don't
1: know how to call me. I'll, yeah, there I'll show you
0: go. You <laughs> this is this is a thing Patty could do. Patty could write one for you. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, Takes me five, not five minutes, but I can do it pretty quick.
0: Yeah, and so work with Patty on it. Get a press release out to your local paper saying, hey, I, I, I'm, you know, launching a new part to my business where I'm helping business owners accept cryptocurrency. They're mm-hmm. going to come interview you. And, of course, yes. you're going to talk about how you do other forms of payment and how of you course. do point of sale and everything else. And now you've got a great story in, in the paper. So, um, it's free PR. Free PR. Free PR for the merchant. So I think, you know, again, accepting cryptocurrency Um, Is one of those things where if you embrace it, it'll be a positive. If you don't embrace it, it will be a negative for you. Um, And again, my, my, Patty, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this actually. You know, maybe you have a different timeline. In my mind, I'm thinking you have about 12 months before you really, you know, I think if you're not have the ability to accept crypto in 12 months, I think you're going to be behind a little bit. And I think in 24 to 36 months is when merchants are going to start to feel that pressure.
1: I agree. If you're you're not in on it by 24 months, I think probably 24 months is closer to it. Yeah. The the train has left the station.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I
1: think that, I mean, I've already seen, it astounds me living here in the middle of nowhere, Maryland. Right, right. How many merchants I've seen that accept crypto.
0: Yep, yep. And they're tiny
1: little merchants.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a good point too. Geography plays into this. If you're in Manhattan, you're probably... Right now, you need to be on this. On right? this now, right? If you're in San the middle Francisco, of nowhere, you might have twenty four months. You know,
1: right? But being like you and Altoona or me and Frederick, right. you got a little bit more time. But yeah. you still need to be on it. I mean, I remember a few years ago, James, when we were first starting out on our podcast. Yeah. And you you had a you had a question from the field, I think it was, where you said, "Um, you, your advice was walk into a merchant even and and ask them if they accept Apple Pay." Right. And if they don't sell them, a, on that, you know, yep. on that, well, I think the same thing could be said for this, you know, maybe yep. not today, but I'd say in six yeah. months to a year, you should be going in into every one of your merchants, and if they're not selling crypto, you need to be selling them on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just ask them, hey, do you accept? If I want to pay with Bitcoin, can you do that? And they say yep. no. It's like, well, why not? You know, and right. they well, and then you can explain it. So yeah, I love a good good deal there. Yeah. So. Well, everybody there you go there's my thoughts on crypto i hope everybody has a fantastic week out there and uh, go close some deals and get some free pr with crypto acceptance
2: this is the insiders report with patty murphy brought to you by the green sheet for nearly 40 years the green sheet has been the go-to source for news analysis and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com.
1: Well, James, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, seeing, you know, all the shopping activity that's moved online, you know, especially since the pandemic was declared. Gosh, I can't believe it's been two years now. Yeah, isn't that crazy? We're still still living it, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But I think, you know, I was looking, something came across my desk the other day that kind of reminded me uh that as people go online so do fraudsters right 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 so you know I, I, according to a new report out of um sift which is one of the a handful of online fraud prevention companies out there uh cyber crooks are leverage, leveraging sophisticated automated and distributed strategies across different merchants and verticals simultaneously Mm. Committing account takeover, financial fraud, and multi-tiered schemes, as SIFT puts it, quote, at inhuman speed and scale, close quote. Mm. Um, Attempted payment frauds detected by SIFT last year jumped 23% over 2020. Mm. Um, The hardest hit sector was fintech, with a whopping 121% jump in fraud Mm. attempts. Wow. Attempts against marketplaces were up 24% and travel and hospitality fraud attacks were up 34%. Now, many of the fraud attempts I thought was, you know, and again, this kind of goes along with how consumer activity, where consumer activity goes, so go the fraudsters. And, you know, so not surprisingly, alternative payment methods and service providers were among the hard hit. Digital wallets saw a 200% year over year increase in mm. fraud attempts. Wow. Buy now pay later was up 54%. And crypto exchanges, one of our favorite topics.
0: Right. I'm going to be talking about here in a minute. So, yep.
1: <laughs> yep, up 140%. Wow. Payment services providers, you know, like the the you know, the the networks that, you know, um, Right. that uh, 169%. Mm. Now, SysData is drawn from its global network, which it says is 34,000 client websites and apps. Um, You know, um, so really these numbers just offer us a glimpse of what's happening. Yeah. And we can't forget that these are just the frauds that were detected. (laughs) You know, right?
0: Right, right? sure.
1: There's millions of consumers getting scammed out there uh, every year. And uh, in fact, a... Survey of a thousand consumers that Sift conducted uh, uh, revealed that nearly half, forty-nine percent, had been victims of payment fraud in the previous three years. Mm. Wow! Now, seventy-seven. This is the number that blew my mind. Seventy-seven percent of those consumers had credit card or other payment information stolen that was on file with a merchant,
3: mm.
1: and that information was later used to for, make fraudulent purchases. Sure. Uh, 60% said they had experienced financial fraud more than once. Mm. Um, 25% are very or extremely concerned about it happening again. And another stat that really stuck out for me, only 21% of victims said they were notified by the merchant. Were not notified by the merchant rather, Mm. Uh, but instead found out, you know, on their own or from the card issuer. Yeah. You know, and this tells me that online merchants, you know, they need to be a lot doing more to detect and mitigate fraud. Uh, fraud Fraud-fueled merchant abandonment is high, three out of four consumers said they would permanently stop shopping with someone if they had been compromised by fraud because of that merchant. Mm. Then there are, you know, the chargeback of related fees, and of course if fraud gets out of control. Merchants can get cut, kicked off the network. So, yeah, you know, it's sure. just really worthwhile looking, you know, keeping keeping in mind that despite all the advances we're making, um, the fraudsters are making advances
0: too. Yeah, it's a really good information. I think people have to be on the lookout. And I think for those that are selling more card not present now, you know, they have to think about how this happens and there's there are a lot of interesting like I was thinking about even like some of um you know NMI and PayTrace and these other gateways where uh-huh. they really have so many different settings that can be used. Uh you know, our sponsor, Valor PayTech, actually has a ton of these um kind of risk settings that you could, you know, tweak um to, you know, right. flag potential fraud transactions. So I think right. there's there's good technology, but I think technology it's really at exists. this point the the merchants just aren't really using it, the smaller merchants.
1: And, 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 and I think that's sad because, you know, I remember one time I was visiting a friend who has a, a small shop up up in New York where I grew up. And I said, um, you know, aren't you, con- are you concerned about card fraud? And she's like, oh, no, they, n- they don't bother little merchants. I'm like, yes, they do. Yeah, that's the only
0: ones they that's really the main ones they want to bother because it's easier. They know that it's a the little lot merchants easier start watching out for it.
1: Yeah. So, so
2: yeah. Wow, very interesting stuff, Patty. Yeah. Thanks, James.